How many had a good time last week? Isn't that awesome? Had somebody this morning asking if we were going to have leftovers today. <laughs> we will do that again. Uh, everybody seems to enjoy that. Uh, so you can look forward to the next one that comes up. Uh, this next Sunday, though, we won't have a service here in the morning. The service will be at 315 out in the parking lot at Wadsworth. So you want to bring a lawn chair uh, so you can kick back and relax. Uh, if you want to show up at noon to 3, uh, especially for your kiddos and lots of food trucks, um, Sassy dog, anybody ever see that yellow Volkswagen that's around, that hot dog wagon? Uh, those guys will be there. Um, I'm excited I recruited them. They're kind of crazy. We'll see what happens. Uh, but um, great times to come this Sunday morning. Again, it's, as I shared last week, it's the only time uh, throughout the year uh, that both campuses come together. Uh, so I look forward to that time to share uh, together. <clears throat> I recently learned about a fish that's down in South America. It's unique. And the reason it's unique is one of the reasons is the natives have even given a name for, the, for this. The name of the fish is Four Eyes. Four Eyes. We have something happen to the screen. There he is. All right. Four Eyes. God is amazing. He created this fish with a lens that can see above the water and a lens that can see below the water. There's actually a lens built, you know, for air that it can actually see all the time up and see all the time below. So he can see the above world and he can see the below world as he floats along the water. Is that cool or what? Uh, God is just so amazing in what he has created. Well, we're in a series where we're learning about godly wisdom that we need to have in order to live this earthly life. And in God's wisdom, he has allowed us, if we use it, to have a lens for above the water or above the world and a lens for here in the world. Meaning, if we only have an earthly lens, then all we're concerned about is the things in this life. But if we create through God's wisdom that lens that we can see into eternity and what really matters, then we see both above and below at the same time. Because choice, not chance, will determine your destiny. Choice, not chance, will determine your destination. And you play a huge role in that. We learned last week that wisdom is knowledge that is put into action over the course of a lifetime as we go down this path of life. So a big question is, how do you want to be remembered when you're gone? What do you want your legacy to be? Those are always challenging questions. They got a way of getting my attention because you and I can make wise decisions, we can make foolish decisions, but all the way in life, you write your legacy, I write my legacy on how we're going to be remembered when we leave this earth. How many know of the Nobel, Nobel 
Peace Prize. You heard of that? All of us have heard of that. Maybe you don't know how it came about. In the late 1890s, Alfred Noble woke up one morning and he was reading the newspaper as usual, but he came across and he read his own obituary. Read his own obituary. And what had happened is a reporter put it in the newspaper and confused his brother that died with him. And this is what it said. Alfred Noble was the inventor of dynamite. He was a manufacturer of weapons. He was a merchant of death. And that was it. And it was all true, all true, but it wasn't true who they had in the paper that had died. How would you feel if you were scrolling the internet or you got your emails through and you said, oh, and you read your own obituary? It would like freak me out, all right? It would freak me out. Well, sometime after he read those words, Alfred Noble reflected, I was so shocked by people's perception that I committed the rest of my life towards working toward world peace. After reading his obituary, he was, it was such a sobering experience for him that he donated his vast wealth to establish the Nobel Peace Prize given to those who work to promote peace in their life. In other words, with his newfound knowledge, he followed through and wisely changed his legacy. Changed his legacy forever. Again, how will you be remembered? Living now with the end in mind can change a whole lot about how your life and your legacy is formed to a good way. And here's a big takeaway for us this morning. Knowing the destination you're aiming for should impact the decisions that you make. Read that with me. Nope, don't read it with me. There it is. Read it with me. Knowing It's huge. Perhaps you're familiar with Old Testament wisdom literature, the book of Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. All those are wisdom literature throughout the Old Testament. Maybe one that you've committed to memory, a huge one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own. And so when we look to today, how we align our decisions, how we align our choices, if they are aligned with God's will and the destination he desires for us, then we're on the right path. And I want to look at a passage this morning that again is familiar to you. James chapter 4 verses 13 through 17. Listen to what James writes. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business there, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, 
we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Three quick lessons from that. Number one, I challenge you to invite God into your today. Invite God into your today. Invite him into your daily decisions. James says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. But when you invite God into your daily, regular life, it begins to allow you to focus on one day at a time. God, what do you have for me today? Proverbs 27.1 adds, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So we live for God today because we have no promise of tomorrow. In every choice we make, every decision we make counts. Paul says in Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Use that heavenly lens in other words second corinthians 10:5 he adds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god we take every thought to make it captive every thought to make it obedient to christ when we begin to have a proper perspective in our life then we begin to understand what our life really is. James says it's a mist. About five years ago, many of you weren't even within this church body. In fact, 95% of you weren't. That's pretty cool, in my opinion, right? That's awesome. Um, But I use this illustration on what our life is where James says, you're just a mist. Here's you, here's your life in comparison to eternity. If you missed it. That's it. That doesn't mean you're worthless. That doesn't mean you don't matter. But what it means in comparison to God, (laughs) you and I are nothing in comparison to him. Then the question is, you smell that? You smell it? Pretty good, isn't it? You don't have a nose. But the question is, what fragrance will you leave behind? When your mist is gone, will it be a fragrance that's pleasing to God or a fragrance that's pleasing to man? That's huge. It's huge. And being a follower of Jesus means we trust God today. We invite him into today. We live today, even if it means we have to take a risk and people around us really don't understand. If you're a student, that means you may get made fun of because of your standards and your biblical values. If you're in a difficult marriage and you tell friends 
you know, I'm sticking this out. I'm praying that God's going to come through on this. And they just shake their heads at you. Or maybe you're a, a parent and your boss tells you that you've got the promotion waiting for you that you've always dreamed of, but it means you're going to have to travel a whole lot. And you look at your boss and you say, I'm sorry, I don't want that. Because right now I need to be invested in my kids and not taking a promotion. And your boss shakes their head, their jaw drops. They say, really? Urging people to trust in a crucified Savior may appear foolish to a whole lot of people in this world, but it's the most sensible thing that you and I can do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So in everything we do, we invite God into today, and we submit to him and acknowledge him. Second lesson, invite God into your tomorrow, into your tomorrow. James goes on, James 4, 15, and 16. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and such boasting is evil. When we understand who we are in, the, in light of God's bigness, then all of a sudden we align our decisions, our choices up with humility, and the natural result is we submit to God every day, every choice, understanding he's the creator and we're the what? We're the creation. And compared to him, we are so, so small. We can say, you know, God's up here and we're down here. That doesn't even come close. We're not even in the same realm. And so we yield to him. We know he's worthy of our praise. We know he's worthy of our lives. So we offer everything we are to him. Submission goes against the green, though, of our human instincts. But when we invite him into our daily life and into tomorrow, all of a sudden, our life revolves around his kingship, his lordship, and that's huge. We realize that, yes, it's not about us. It's not about any of us. Life is all about honoring, worshiping, serving, promoting our king. That's all that matters. James says, we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. We don't even know, but God does. Every decision we make, every choice we want make in this life ought to begin with, is it God's will? God, is, you're my Lord, you're my master, you're my king. Is this what you want me to do? Turn to the person next to you and say, is it God's will? Every day, every day, God, is this your will? Alexander Solzhenzins, in his book, One Day in the Life of Ivan Denuzvich, recounts a day in Ivan's life. He was in a Soviet prison camp, 
And he talks a great deal in the book about all the different evils and things that happened in that Soviet prison camp to him. But in one place, at one time, he talks about Ivan praying. His eyes were closed. His head was bowed. He's praying. A fellow prisoner noticed him praying and came up and ridiculed him and said this, prayers won't help you get out of here any faster, Ivan. Prayers won't help you get out of this prison any faster. To which Ivan opened his eyes and replied, I do not pray to get out of prison. I pray to do God's will. I do not pray to get out of prison. I pray to do God's will. You got me thinking, if God somehow could send me an email, once I got up off the floor and realized it was from God, you know, but if he could somehow send me an email with all my prayers in the past month, I think about what that email might say. It'd have prayers in there that I prayed for many of you. It, prayers for myself. It'd have prayer for my finances, prayer for my family, my grandkids, all kinds of prayers like that. But I don't know how much of that email would be, God, your will be done. I just don't know. God, not my will. Your will. God, where do you want to lead? God, where do you want to direct? Too often, our prayers are prayers of rescue and deliverance for health, for wealth. But every decision, every choice we make Every prayer we offer, it's just not a cliche. God, your will be done. God, this is you. It's not me. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, that means everything we do must fall in submission to his will as we try to honor his kingship and not ours. It's huge. We say, okay, Lord, I'm about to go in this meeting. Let me know what you want me to do. God, you direct my words. God, I need you to guide me in this. This is yours. It's not mine. And you know who I found in life that does this very well? It's people who are grieving, Right? It's people who are grieving, people who have lost someone close to them. All of a sudden, their prayers are a desperate attention to get the attention of God. And it takes the focus off of them and puts it on God. We're in that grieving state, extreme grief, we're not worried about tomorrow. We're not worried about getting through next week. We're worried about right now, right? God, help me to get through this moment right now. I need you here. 
God, I need you to guide me. I need you to take this. God, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's in those times that we yield to God's will the most. So invite God into your today. Invite God into your tomorrow. And then finally, invest in eternity. In other words, live this life with the next life in mind. Live this life with a perspective to say, it says, I want to live my life right now that counts for something long past my tombstone. We talked about it last week. It's that ripple effect. I want to live, you've heard me say, some of you, that what I want on my tombstone, and Brenna knows, I know it's kind of depressing, but she knows what to put on my tombstone. Jeff Hugus still feeling the ripples. I want you all to be a part of my ripple effect. I want that to happen. I want God to use me through his Holy Spirit to create a ripple effect that goes on long after I'm dead and gone. And that includes even my grandkids. Illustration I love to tell, and I just put a note there if I have time, and I'm making time. And many of you heard me tell this, but this is the one that illustrates this the most. And, it's, and I like to ask you guys, how do you like to get into a swimming pool? How do you get into a swimming pool? Well, if you're like my wife, Brenna, drives me nuts, but I can be in the pool for 30 minutes and she's still not in the water, right? It's like she'll come and she'll put her toe in. Oh, it's cold. You know right? And then that might go on for 10 minutes. Then the next 15, she gets to her ankles. Oh, it's so cold. Get cold, cold, cold. And she might go down to her calves and her knees, and she's going to stay there for like 30 minutes <laughs> until eventually an hour goes by, her hair's still not wet <laughs> until somebody makes her hair wet, right? That's no way you get into a swimming pool. How do you get into a swimming pool? You go all the way back to the fence or whatever barrier there is, and you take off on it immediately when you get there. You don't wait. When you get to the pool, immediately you take off on a dead sprint. You ignore the signs that say no running because Jesus didn't put them there. All right? And you take off, and I'm not going to do it, but you do a jump, and you do a... Yeah. Cannonball. There we go. You do a cannonball. All right. And if you're like me, I can create some ripples. I can drown you, Larry. All right. I could drown. If you're right there, you're gone. You go. And those ripples go all the way out, affecting everybody in the pool. That's what we need to do with our life. And last week, I asked you to write a name down on the window out there. Some of you came in today, weren't here last week, might not understand what that is. But I asked you to write a name of someone that you want to influence for Jesus Christ. Someone that you want to see in this place that isn't here right now, worshiping God. If you didn't do that, you can do that this week. There's 
better markers than were here last week out there. Um, someone that you're working on, you're praying for, you want to ripple on, put their name on there. We're going to leave that up all the way until we move into our Christmas season. All right? But that's what our life is about. That's investing in eternity. James 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That definition may be a little bit different than what you think. We think of sin as something that we do that we shouldn't do, and yes, that is sin, but it's also sin when we know we should do something, when we hear God's voice and we don't do it, that's sin as well. Perhaps your legacy right now as you think about it, you try to think about what your obituary would say, Maybe it would have words like workaholic right now, wrecked family, broken marriage, chronic worrier, self-absorbed. You put it, what would it be? But you have the power by God's spirit to rewrite your legacy right now to words like child of the king, man of peace, loving mom, daughter of God, servant of Jesus Christ. You have the power right now by God's spirit to change the ripple effect for the rest of your life. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. When we commit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, all the future plans come together. We love in America seeing rags to riches stories where someone who has nothing all of a sudden achieves and rises and becomes a success makes it to the top we love rags to riches stories but I'm telling you there's a story that's better than that and it's the story of Jesus Christ and it's a story that went from riches to rags he was in absolute perfection. He had it all. And we look through his heavenly lens, everything was perfect. But he had the power to have an earthly lens even while he was in heaven. And he looked down on this earth and he realized there was no way you and I were going to make it to heaven unless he left the riches of heaven and came to the rags of earth. He saw through his earthly eyes that you and I needed forgiven of our sins. And the only way possible that we could be forgiven is that he would have to enter into this world and give up his life on a cross so that you could become rich for eternity. 
Philippians 2 describes it like this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. But that's not the end of the story. Through our earthly lens, if we looked at it, we think, oh man, that's so sad. Jesus died. It's all over. But we know that's not the end of the story. We know through our heavenly lens that Jesus won, that Jesus conquered the grave. And because Jesus conquered the grave, guess what? You will too. You will too. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we will live for all eternity because of the sacrifice of God's only begotten Son. And every single week, we reflect on that. We take a piece of bread representing Jesus' body that was abused, beaten, torn for you and I. And we take a cup of juice representing Jesus' blood that flowed from the cross. And this is huge for us as believers. It's so important. As we reflect on the past, Jesus suffering and dying for us, but we also reflect on the future that Jesus won and we won. So one day, we will drink this together with him in paradise, in heaven. And so you reflect on the past. You ask for God's will right now to be done in the present as you take it. But you also say, okay, God, <laughs> Jesus, come back today. I want to take this with you tonight. I want to take this. Come back. Come back. If you're scared to pray that, we need some other talking. Because we ought to be able as believers say, Jesus, I'm taking this right now, anticipation that I'm going to be able to take this with you tomorrow. Come on back. Let me pray, and then you can partake. Father, we thank you so much for your sacrifice for us. God, that you allowed your son to suffer and die in our place. God, we know that in this earth, our life on this earth, our life is but a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. And light of eternity, God, wow. <laughs> it, it just it's crazy. But God, we realize that our life matters, that we matter. We matter to you because you allowed your son to come and die for us. And God, as we take this bread and we drink this juice, God, we are thankful for the past and you suffering and dying for us. God, we praise you for the forgiveness that comes to us today because of that sacrifice. But God, we also reflect on the victory of overcoming death that means one day, we will be able to eat this meal with your son. And God, we can't wait for that day. 
we pray this in his name.